right, everybody. Welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Aaron. I'm Clayton. And we're your hosts. I'm the experienced reader. You're the novice reader. I'm a novice or am I a virgin? (laughs) I was trying so hard to get you to not say it, but then you did. Well, and we've established not a virgin, a novice. A novice. You haven't read these kind of books before. But a virgin to this genre of romance novel. To rock star romance novels. Mm Mm-hmm. This, I figured this would also be a fun one for you because you are very musically inclined. Well, I'm a big fan of music, mm-hmm. not necessarily personally musically inclined. No, no, you have no talent to speak of. No, I, I feel like music is magic to me. Oh, I'm so, nice. it is. It really is fascinating how somebody can construct. I think li- lyrics are one thing I probably could try my hand at, not saying they'd be great, but the actual taking a, guitar riff and then a drum th- and all this stuff and making it into a coherent uh catchy song is magic to me i do believe it comes from a higher source and everybody's just tapping into that one source we can get into this if you want to <laughs> i mean that's big magic from elizabeth gilbert that's the whole thesis of that book is it yeah it's a really great book if you if anyone out there is um Creative. Oh, I read Big Magic. Yeah, in any way. It's a really, really great, but it does talk about the muse sort of coming to different people. So did you ever play an instrument growing up? I bought a bass guitar, and mm. I was in a, a a cover band in high school for a very hot second. What was the band you guys are covering? We just covered songs. Oh, just songs. different covers. Okay. Uh, and we played in my friend's basement once or twice, mm. and... We had a recording of it on cassette, but it's lost to time. I remember playing bass on "All I Want Is You" by U two. That's a good. That's a good bass song. It's a very, and, but it's a very basic bass riff, and I couldn't master it. And they broke it down to the most basic movements, and I remember just staring at my fingers, trying not to make a mistake. And that's not a cool rock star pose. No, Adam Clayton would be so disappointed in you. <laughs> is nervous. Now, like, the, the, the bassist is so nervous. And my, I was like a cat watching a tennis match. It was just like <laughs> from one finger to the next. Nick, Nick, Nick. Oh. So not a rock star, everybody. Anyway, so what we read this week, uh, we read a play by Kylie Scott. So where are you guys off to? Party at David and Ev's. Lauren answered from inside my room. You should come with us. Ev, Nate's sister and Lauren's former roomie, had married David Ferris, premier rock god and lead guitarist for the band Stage Dive, a few months ago. Long story. I was still trying to get my head around it, frankly. One minute she'd been the nice blonde girl next door who went to the same college as Lizzie and made killer coffee at Ruby's Cafe. The next, our apartment block had been surrounded by paparazzi. Skye had given interviews on the front step. Not that she'd known anything. I'd snuck out the back. Um, And it was our second listener, third listener recommendation. January's for the fans, and that's what I've always said. (laughs) Fanuary? Fanuary. Let's do that every year so that the burden is off of you. I mean... To pick the books in January. January is Fanuary. <laughs> January is Fanuary. I do love, but I don't want to then have to pick out the books for the rest of the other 11 months. So I would say keep giving me your recommendations because oh, yeah. 
they're great. We're still getting more. We have more coming up for sure. But um, uh, well, then we can just do Farch and farch? Fan, fan March. And just every other month, the fans just do all the work. Foggest. <laughs> Foggest. <laughs> All right. So uh, this was a book uh, recommended to us through our Insta comments, which I have said, if you just drop it, if you just yell it into the wind, we might hear it. Mm -hmm. Like we are looking everywhere for recommendations. Um, So it was by at Rebecca Karn one. Her first comment was, I've been listening in my car during my daily commute and laughing my head off. I am looking forward to rock star romances and motorcycle club romances. We got to do one of those. A motorcycle club romance? Oh, yeah. I know, because I'm like, I'm such a uh, Sons of Anarchy fan that I'm like, I can't believe I, I don't know this already. Yeah, that, that's, I would be very excited about that. I know, we have to find the right one. Uh, and then I write, did you, do you have any favorites? Because like, I'm, I don't want to do the work. I want her to tell me. <laughs> and she said, the Stage Dive series by Kylie Scott is, a, is great. And the second book, Play, is my favorite rock star romance by far. Uh, we'll think on motorcycle romances and get back to you. So let's judge the cover. Yeah. I have spent a lot of time looking at this cover because there does seem to be something happening with his spine. Because oh, it's, a, interesting. it's a man laying and he's all tatted up. That's great. Big shoulders into it. But then if we look here on the right, like it looks like then his pelvis is like pulled up by like pillows or something like what's happening and it seems almost unnatural he's he is presenting he is okay. definitely showing his he is pushing his butt up in the air but that doesn't also seem like an angle that somebody should be able to do no he so this cover it, it does show what this is about there's some drumsticks next mm-hmm. to play we have a it's red very muscular man like you said lying on a, a couch uh, and he's got a big tattoo sleeve. Mm-hmm. Not a fan. You you don't like tattoos. I don't like big tattoos, as we mentioned in the kiss quotient. I don't like the big tattoos. So for me, I I, I like the cover because I think it represents what this book is. But it didn't turn me on. Yeah, you're very anti-tattoo. I'm anti-tattoo in a fantasy aspect. If I met somebody that I really connected with. They could have a face tattoo and it wouldn't matter. What was this book about? So, again, I'm going to rely on other people to do my work for me. I mean, I did write you a quick synopsis, but you're passing it by. I Well, I like to do the about a book okay. because it gives whoever wrote this, which I don't know if it's the author or it's somebody in the the book company who does it. But I want their work to, to be spotlighted. Mm-hmm. Mal Erickson, drummer for the world-famous rock band Stage Dive, needs to clean up his image fast, at least for a little while. Having a good girl in his arms should do the job just fine. Mal doesn't plan on this temporary fix becoming permanent, but he didn't count on finding the one right girl. Anne Rollins never thought she'd ever meet the rock god who plastered her teenage bedroom walls, especially not under these circumstances. Anne has money problems, big ones. But being paid to play the pretend girlfriend to a wild life-of-the-party drummer couldn't end well, no matter how hot he is. Or could it? There we go. Yeah, you did a good job. Thank you. Well, whoever wrote that did a good job. I had good copy. But I do have one thing with that, is I expected it to be more of a fake romance turned real. And I felt like it definitely was a fake romance, but it wasn't that, like, Mal really needs to appear 
like he has a good girl, like that never factored into it. It, it was very. It was an internal thing for him, I think, mm-hmm. and not a needed to be done for the media. Like you said, I think my thought was he got in trouble with his womanizing or something and the media glare is too heavy and he wanted to have a more stable girlfriend for his media presence and for the band's the good of the band. And it's not that. No, it's not. It's like and also you don't you don't learn the reason why he felt like he needed to have a stable like normal good girlfriend until kind of the end like i really really liked this book a lot and i really liked mal and i think um my thing was it is how they you know how they say like whenever somebody becomes very famous they're they're like emotionally stunted at that age Mm -hmm. and it does seem like i don't think you ever find out exactly how old he is 27 okay so you find out exactly how old he is but and but it does seem like they've been famous for a while this all goes into I, I did a lot and we're going to talk at the end of the podcast as to what we think stage dive sounds like. And this was all part of my research was how old he was and the assumption of how long he's been famous. Mm-hmm. Now, in this book, uh, Anne had a poster of him on her wall when she was younger. Now, she's early 20s. He's 27. I'm assuming that Stage Dive has been a band for at least 10 years. So he was 17 when they started playing. Maybe they became famous when he was 19 or 20. So he is very stunted at that age. But now he's 27, which is an adult, and he shouldn't be acting as childish and and puppy-like as he is. But he's also a drummer, and drummers are known to be have manic energy, be the goofy ones of the group, uh, but also have substance abuse problems, which he evidently has. Yeah, the start of something. Uh-huh. And it's his return of Saturn, so he's really reviewing everything that's happening in his life. Absolutely. Um, so I I think that I was definitely more forgiving of his antics than I would have been if this was just like, uh, he was just like a butcher or something, where I would <laughs> yeah. be like, All right, you catch yourself on. Where this, I'm like, he's been living in like a little bit of a weird fantasy world if he has become very, very wealthy, very young, like if you know, the rock star life of like a very transient life. Like you understand that he probably wouldn't have had a girlfriend. Like it it all makes sense. He would be a womanizer. Like women are constantly throwing themselves at him. And so then I think when he did meet, because the way that they met was Anne's neighbor is the sister of the heroine from the first book. And when Anne comes home and her like roommate has moved out and stiffed her with the bill and half of her furniture is gone and then her neighbor convinces her, like, come to this party with us. Like, you're being a sad sack. Like, let's have fun. She ends up meeting Mal because he overhears her having a conversation about how um, she's in, like, kind of dire straits. I think he liked her from the beginning, but he just didn't know what to do with those feelings. So he just was kind of a bozo about it. Which well, he, he's probably never had to have a conversation where he wooed a woman exactly they've all thrown themselves at him and but it's been under the pretext of you are what i imagine you to be and he was fulfilling those fantasies mm-hmm. but i think for Anne, like she was definitely excited by him and like had had a crush on him and everything but she was much more practical in that when he was like isn't this your dream for me to move into your apartment and she was sort of like not really like what is happening yeah he was 
like it made sense. And I feel like she did keep her wits about her for a while as far as like we do need to set up boundaries and everything. Yeah. Well, he he felt like he had the right to judge how she interacted with people. Mm-hmm. Yet he didn't he didn't look at himself and understand how his actions affected people. I kind of had an issue with Mal or Malcolm. And the great thing about this podcast, as I've stated before, is that when I approach these books, I approach them in a very different way than I approach most media that I absorb. Because I'm coming in open-minded and trying to trying to understand why I have knee-jerk reactions to certain things. Where I'll just let my knees jerk all the time, everywhere, except for here. And that's why I really like being able to do this. Mm-hmm. I, was, I sent you a, a text halfway through this book, and I was like, mouse sucks. And that was the entire text. <laughs> and that was it. That was it. Here's what I realized, is that there's two men in this book. There's Mal, who is defined by his physicality, and Reese, who is a douchebag. Yeah, Reese is her boss at the bookstore and someone she's had a crush on, and he's been sort of stringing her along, it seems like, for years. And he's a floppy-haired hipster Mm -hmm. with dumb glasses. This is how Mal thinks of him. And, you know, he owns a bookstore, which, listen... I want to own a bookstore. We talked about this in a previous episode. And I am a very cerebral type of person. I'm not defined by my physicality, really. Mm -hmm. And I envy musicians because their physicality is such a strong part of their personality. Especially a drummer. A drummer. Because you always, in this book, he was always tapping on stuff, tapping out a beat. He had so much manic energy. When he got upset, he would just go find a drum kit and just bang away and break sticks. And there's something about that that I I do find really interesting, and I wish I was more like that. So my feelings on Mal come, I think, from envy more than anything else. I would much rather be a Mal than a Reese. I do not want to be a Reese, and I don't think I am because Reese was a guy who only wanted Anne when he couldn't find anybody else. And he acted like he was her friend, but really just wanted friends with benefits whenever he wanted it. And I find that despicable. Either be honest with your emotions about somebody or or let them go. And he wasn't that way. So I don't think of him as somebody to emulate. But I think maybe the way he's portrayed is more kind of how I am, where I vocalize my words or where my personality comes from. And so that was a kind of a really big breakthrough for me. And that's why I didn't like Mal. And I do understand and like Mal better now Mm -hmm. because I understand where my where my bias came from. Yeah. Now, are you into band guys? Are band guys something? Would you say, oh, man, I'd really love to if if you weren't married. Be with. I mean, you know, I am. But even if I. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm only saying that. (laughs) For Pat's benefit, <laughs> I don't really care what you do. In fact, if you want to, good for you. But uh, it, would you be into uh, dating a drummer or a guitarist or somebody? Is that is the band guy a guy that you fantasize about? Or did you ever? No, I don't think so. Like, even in college and stuff when I was 
single, I don't think I was ever like wanted a musician the way that like I definitely had friends who are really into musicians, specific musicians or just in general. I always was like, I know it's like the um, stereotype of the guy at the party with a acoustic guitar that they're just the worst. Mm-hmm. I just think I it was never for me. And I don't know when I was like a teenager, I loved like the Backstreet Boys. Oh yeah, but and but I don't think that there's a band that I was ever like really wanted to have sex with the members of like I was a huge U2 fan I was gonna say but you you wouldn't fuck Bono um I mean not now not now because of Bono not because of Pat no just because Bono is too old now for you yeah 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 he's my dad's age but I think um no but no but I was never like sexually attracted to them I was like, oh, it'd be cool if I was, like, friends with them and we all went out to dinner or something. Like, that was my fantasy. It was never, like, ooh. I don't know. There's also, like, I love Bono, but uh-huh. it, 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 there's not a, a sexuality pouring off of him necessarily. No, absolutely. He Again, for a musician, he is more of a cerebral presence than mm-hmm. he is a physical presence. Yeah, and all members of the band are this. I mean, maybe The Edge. I guess if I had to have sex with a member of you too, it would be the edge. That is shocking. How <laughs> is that shocking? Because he's not conventionally attractive. Oh, but they don't ever need to be, do they? You would not. And I think he's cute. What about Larry Mullen Jr.? He's so stiff and never says anything. Hubba hubba. You would, Larry is your guy. I mean, hubba. Yeah, I mean, the slick back hair. The I mean, I love that he's silent. I, you know, he, he yeah, he, I think, is foxy. All right. And he's held up. No, he still looks really good. Um, So I guess I'm more into band guys than you are. Definitely, definitely. There are musicians, I mean, female musicians. Okay, well, this is... So when I was a teenager, I had a very big crush on Natalie Imbruglia. Yeah. (laughs) From Torn. She's hot, though. And she's... I thought she was beautiful. And... Okay. I had this spin magazine of her on the cover, and I, I kissed it once. Just once? <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, this is too far. <laughs> I knew it was too far. Even as a teen? Even, even as, as a, a horny teen. teen? Well, even as a horny teen, and that, and that is a thing. I'm, I, I, I do very much don't, I don't want to come off as a creep ever. Mm-hmm. And I realize being a sexual person, there are aspects of your personality that can come off creepy and stuff. But I remember kissing it. And being like, I can't, this I cannot start. <laughs> this is not something that I'm making a habit of. <laughs> uh, but male rock stars, I never. No, this is not true. When I was a really little kid, I was super into David Lee Roth. I thought David he Lee has Roth such, like a kid energy though. He does, but he he was so ripped, and, and uh, I always was like, oh man, if I could grow up and look like David Lee Roth. Now, David Lee Roth circa 1984, mm. not David Lee Roth now. I'm glad I don't look like David Lee Roth now. No shame to anybody. But he lived a very hard life. I, I thought he was super sexy, even as a kid, because he was funny, but he had a great body. I was like, that's, that's the goal, if I could be David Lee Roth. Funny with a great body. Right? Yeah. Anyway, the book we read. <laughs> well, it's about music. Here's the thing about the book we read, is that there's so little plot mm-hmm. to it and we have come off of so many books that have been so full of plot, like Fury yeah, and The Rogue Not Taken, that this was such a light, fast read that I it felt really ephemeral. I almost felt like, what did I, did I experience this? 
I liked it for that reason, too. I think it's like it's one of those things that it's almost harder to do a book that this is honestly just about like two people meeting and slowly falling in love. And there's not really any obstacles to it other than themselves. There's not a lot going on around them necessarily other than like, I guess, his mother dying and her having to take care of her sister and stuff. Although that's not super present because also this book takes place over just like a few weeks. Uh huh. So um, I do think that's maybe harder to do. And I think that the author did a great job at keeping that interesting. Like I was emotionally invested the entire way through. Like there wasn't points that I was bored. I remember sitting there reading it and being like, yeah, I could hang out with these characters because mm-hmm. it, it felt more like a hangout. Yeah. And I understand the, the appeal because I had never read a rock star romance before and I never really got it. I think because I never had like the rock star fantasy. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm reading this, obviously, I want to read the entire series. I'm invested. I'm in it. But I think... Um, you understood why, because it was almost like a family, like a group of people, and you were sort of getting to know. And I'm like, yeah, I want to continue to read to get to know this family a little bit better and, and everyone and how they relate to each other. And I thought that was all really interesting and really, really well done. The other thing, too, is I wanted them to go on tour. I wanted to see Anne on tour with them. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see sex on tour. What is sex on tour? Sex while he's on tour. I wanted them to be backstage. I wanted I wanted the big spectacle of her watching him in a huge, huge crowd and them being in exotic cities and having sex. And that might be in the future books, but this is their romance, so I don't think that's going to be the case unless it's going to be, you know, Mal and Anne go to their hotel room and they have sex in Naples or something. But I wanted to see the tour. Yeah. I kind of just wanted to see, like, what what markets they were playing. Cause I was trying to figure out how big stage dive is. And I want to see how many big markets they were playing. Yeah. Did they sell out of these big markets? Are they doing ancillary markets? What, what is the promotion like? Where are they going? Are they doing uh, drive time radio? Are they doing morning radio? The promotion? Are they playing acoustically in these studios? They played the biggest venue in Portland. In Portland, They definitely did. I, I, I feel like I'm going to, alienate a lot of our core listeners if i talk too much about how i came up with what they sound like but we'll do that later yeah. but I, and i'm gonna definitely edit a lot of it out because <laughs> <laughs> but this is I just gave, for yourself i gave too much thought to it um well the only other thing i want to talk about with the book is this is our first book that we read that was entirely oh no it wasn't in the first person because hothead was all first person narrative mm-hmm. this was the entire thing was first person I hated it at the beginning. I don't love that. I like third person better. And I don't like it when it's just one person's point of view. But by the end, I got it. It made sense. I think also Malice, so manic, being in his head would have been exhausting uh-huh. and strange. So I feel like it, I understand why she did it. And at the end, I liked it. And it was good. Do you have a preference for? I, I you know, I didn't even think about that. And I think that was a reason why it was hard for me to uh, come around to, to Mal, because I didn't hear his thoughts. Because if we would have heard his deeper thoughts, I would have maybe liked him a little bit sooner. Because, but there was a few reveals that you had to save, so you couldn't. He he had to have been thinking about his mom during this time, and when he gets that phone call and he he's playing it off, that would have given away that he's actually deeper than he comes off as. 
So mm-hmm. there was an element of mystery they had to create. And that's why I think at first I was like, Mal sucks. Mm-hmm. Now I don't think he sucks. He's not for me. I wouldn't date him. But I do think that Anne is sweet and he can be sweet and they deserve each other. He does seem very sweet and lovable and loving. Mm-hmm. Just he doesn't he doesn't know how to vocalize it. Like you said, he's a child. He's trapped in a child's uh, uh, like mind. Yeah. And I think Anne will. And you shouldn't go into a relationship thinking you can change someone or help them grow up. That's a PSA. Mm-hmm. But I do think Anne will help him sort of like just hold his feet to the fire in a way that like nobody ever has to get him to start acting a little bit differently. Do you want to do right now what you think they sound like or do you want to do signs? Why well, didn't you signs? Well, I've been I've been failing on the signs thing. I just don't know them well enough. Well, you got to learn. Yeah. Well, what did you think? <laughs> Producer Patty hates this segment. He hates anyway. it so much. Yeah. He's so negative. Here's what we'll do. This is what we can do. He just pretended to vomit. He's so rude. Let's let's put it up to let's put it up to the fans. This is fanuary. I mean, I did do the work, so I don't know why we're pretending like we both didn't do the work when I did the work and I wrote out the show notes. So I think this is the patriarchy again. Well, let's let's put it up to the fans. <laughs> this is fanuary. Do you like Oh, do you like this? Do you like guessing the signs? This will come out yeah, in January. So please email us, drop it anywhere, and tell us, do you like the signs or do you not like the signs? Yeah. Yeah, and then we'll, and then we'll make a decision as to whether we keep it or we get rid of it. Okay. Does that work for you? It does. I want to make the fans happy. I don't want them to be, not that they would be, but I don't want to give them anything that they're like, I'm gonna, I always fast forward through this part. Okay. Which might be just me talking. They might just be like, I just want to hear air. <laughs> Let's go through. <laughs> now, that's perfectly understandable, and mm-hmm. I get that. For sure. So, but let's, you did the work, so yeah. what signs do you think they are? Because I do think they had pretty solid personalities that you could define them by their signs. I thought Mal was a Pisces, which is the worst of the signs. Mm. No offense, any Pisces. But they're like very wishy-washy. They're very hard to pin down. They're very like heads in the clouds. They are always going from one thing to the next. That's why I thought Pisces. And we know what Anne is because she says her birthday. Oh, okay. Yes. She's a Scorpio. She, her birthday was in October, correct? October 28. Nice. I, I wouldn't have picked her as a Scorpio. Scorpio women are normally a little bit more like dark and gothy and mysterious and very like uber, uber sexual. And she was very sexual. I think when she was with Mal and she was allowed to be more openly sexual, I think it could be, um, yeah. So I was surprised that she was a Scorpio. Yeah. Do you think the author gave the sign thought when she gave her the birthday? There's no way. Okay. (laughs) As she should. What kind of a loon would do that, though? Only Pat's got his eyes closed. This is sick. This is so. (laughs) It's so hard to try to create good content when Mm -hmm. you have somebody pretending to gag and then falling asleep within seconds (laughs) right next to you. It's so off-putting. We will persevere. Mm, I mean, I hope you all appreciate this more, knowing the audience we have during the entire thing of just utter disinterest so before we do what they sound like very quickly this will get pat perked up uh this week's condom watch there was condoms in this book yeah and i just have a question about the fantasy aspects of condom use in these books now 
my thought is that since this is a fantasy and you you as the author can choose whether or not you want to give your characters STIs or make them pregnant or whatnot, you have that power, that <laughs> uh, condomless sex would be something that is more prevalent in this because there's no fear of giving somebody something or receiving something. Now, my thought is, since these are predominantly written by women, these books, that the condom use is actually a fantasy in the sense of, here's a man that cares about my health and cares about my rights with my body and the decisions I want to make and won't just have sex with me without a condom because he cares. Is that kind of what it is? That's what I'd say, yeah. The, okay. the fantasy is to have, yeah, to have somebody care about your body and care about that. And and in this book, there was never any discussion of, like, would he, would it, like, it was always just, like, he was doing that no matter what. And I think, yeah. I, and it would be hard, honestly, it would be hard for me to read this book if there wasn't any condoms, because I'd be like, so he's cool with her getting pregnant. I mean, finally, she does say that she's on the pill. But I'm also like, he's been, like, sticking his dick everywhere for years, if he's having sex with people without condoms, like he has something like he's spreading it. So yeah, I think it's about that. It's safety and security. I think it kind of makes me a little bit sad that women have to have condoms in their fantasies because it's just like in real life. So many men don't care about condom use. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's very, I think, depressing to me. Or they try to pressure you to have sex with them without a condom. Or like a first time with a condom. And then we did it the first time with a condom. Let's do it without a condom. Come on. You know, I'm a good guy, whatever. Mm -hmm. That, that's what, that's kind of what I think sucks about the whole condoms in, in, in romance novels. Is the bigger society. Yeah. Is, is the way like real society has just come in and said, okay, this is important in this because. It's not important to a lot of people outside here. It's sad. Yeah. Hmm. Didn't mean that to be a bummer, but just had a revelation. No, it's interesting. It's good. I'm happy you're having these revelations. I'm going to start wearing a condom on my eye like a uh, chill. No, what, no, what's a left eye? Left eye. <laughs> just so the women know you got them. Yeah. Oh, I'm and you're wearing not one. sure how to use them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really have a condition with my eye. You uh -huh. shouldn't touch it. <laughs> I can't get sperm in my eye yeah. under any circumstances. Not no, yeah. This is a medical this is a medical eye condom. <laughs> I don't have any real condoms. <laughs> um all right, what does stage dive sound like? Mm. The big question. Yeah. Now, how big do you think they are? Do you what level of band do you think they are in popularity? My thought was the band that kept coming to mind for me, and I don't know if this is going to step out in what you're doing. No, I, I don't want to monopolize this conversation because okay. it can be easily happen. I picture them as like the killers, you know, rock and roll for sure. Good size. People will know when you say the killers, but like also I don't know what any of those guys look like. I could be sitting next to them on the train. I wouldn't know. This cracks me up because how did you come about that? Uh that thought and how long did it take you to come up with that <laughs> i think it just came into my brain as i was reading okay now we came to a very similar realization okay and 
I did about two hours of research to get there because I researched when they would have formed. Then I was thinking about I was thinking about, okay, there's a few clues uh, when they were at the party. The bands they listened to were Queens of the Stone Age and uh, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. Now, that's a real band, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. Yeah, yeah, they're a great band. Um, So the thing with bands is that when they are play music at parties or before or after their shows they choose bands that are a little bit cooler than them music that they can say we know what good music is and even if you don't like our music we're cool guys so when you two would play joy division you would think oh they're i might not like you too but they like joy division so that's cool so not that i necessarily think those bands are cool but they are cooler than a band like the killers so that was a clue for me. Also, they got to be a rock band because they're referenced as rock gods. There's not a lot of rock gods anymore. I don't know if the killers would be rock gods, but I do think that that is like a they're one of the biggest rock bands going, or at least they were when this book came out, which is 2014. So that was that was a band that I hovered on at the level that they're at. I think they're killer level, but there is a band that I think they sound like because I feel like they were saying the lead singer sings a lot of songs about having sex and stuff. They're more of a party band. So I did come up with a band that uh, I think they sound like. I think they sound like a band that producer Patty might have heard of called Buck Cherry. Oh, yeah! That's what I think they sound like, because Buck Cherry was a band that came out post-grunge and was kind of a throwback to the uh, glam rock of the 80s, and they had the tattoos, and they rocked harder than some of the grunge bands, because the grunge bands were more not about uh, partying and sex, they were about being sad and all this stuff. Mm. And I think Buck Cherry still had songs in the later 2000s that were kind of big, but that's the band I think they sound like. Just from their reference points, how they talk about Led Zeppelin, I think they're at the level of the killers, but they sound like Buck Cherry. Right. I love it. Keep it every second of it. <laughs> Great work. Yeah. Great work by you. Me just reading it on my couch, and I was like, hmm, maybe the killers. And then I just <laughs> continued on. And me with... I had... A, a, a board with yarn and pictures <laughs> of bands and I'm looking at entomologies of uh, of like his I went all the way back to his ancestors and did what they would listen to. Did you create an account on Ancestors.com for our I did. I did a 23. I tried to do a 23 <laughs> and me for him but they, they won't let you do it for fictional characters. That's, mm, what? Right. My money's no good? Mm. Um, anyway, that's fun. I really enjoyed figuring <laughs> out but I will say that I, right now, I wouldn't go see a stage dive uh, concert. Too loud? Too many people? Well, concerts just in general, too many people. But that kind of music, I, 
unless I grew up with Stage Dive and I'm a little bit, I think, too, from when they got popular, I probably wouldn't have been as into them. Mm. Yeah. All that to say, I I wouldn't be that into them. (laughs) Would you go see Stage Dive? Yeah. You would? I mean, I like concerts. I would definitely go. Um, Yeah. Why not? I would go see The Killers. Yeah, I, there's I mean, a limit to how much I would pay for a ticket for the Killers, I guess. But if it was something where, how much would you allow Pat to pay to see the Killers? Oh, it's his money. I don't give a shit. <laughs> but taking you, oh, I don't care. You I, don't care. He can spend any amount of money on me. Are you kidding? <laughs> I'm not like, gonna cap it. <laughs> You're right. You shouldn't cap it. No, never. You're like this private box is great. Yeah, I wouldn't have spent I mean, fifty 12. bucks on the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> would we fuck them? Yeah, very quickly. Um. I, God, I'd fuck Mal. I get, I don't know. I'd fuck Mal. You would. Yeah, I would. You're so into musicians. If you met him at a party, he was really funny. And he was like tickling me and shit. Yeah. Oh, please. You'd turn him down? No, you're right. I would. (laughs) I would. I just got to be honest with myself. Mm -hmm. Because. Even though you're a Reese. Don't call me a Reese, (laughs) please. I'm not, ladies. I'm not a Reese. You're not a Reese. Thank you so much. No, you would never uh, drag a woman along like that. I would not. Like no. I would not. And I, I would, but I guess I would, but nothing stood out about Anne that made me spark. Yeah, me too. There's nothing like super, I don't know. It seems mean to say there's nothing super sexy about her because obviously there was. He was very attracted to her, but there was nothing for me that I was like, I don't know, like Freddie from the Suffragette scandal or something, or I was like, yeah, let's mm-hmm. get to know each other, you know? What about you, would you? For Mal? Mm-hmm. Definitely. But it would also be like a two-hour top situation, and then I'd be like, yeah, and I'm done. Like, I feel like me. he would be a fun night out, and then, yeah, walk away. Cool. You have good time that time. Mm-hmm. For the time you're together. Goodreads list. I love these. Obviously, this is on a lot of lists, so I picked my favorites. And a lot of them were sort of the same over again. So um, the first list is funny as hell. I did think this was very funny. His his level of humor was not something that I uh, was was something that I responded to. Yeah. Not as many Mr. Show bits as you would have liked. No, I mean, listen, we come up with our own bits, uh, you know. Me and your me me and Pat have so many bits. We you can't do. even start talking about them. But yeah, his uh, the. Rock band sense of humor is not my sense of humor. Yeah. All right. I thought it was funny. Um, Epic rock star stories. Yeah. Yeah. Witty, cute, sexy, male, female, adult, contemporary romance. Again, he's not witty. Okay. I mean, yeah, he's not witty. witty. I would think, I think witty is a very specific thing. Yes. But I do think he's funny and he has a funny turn of phrase. Okay. You know? And we, it's okay for us to have separate opinions. Oh, absolutely. Um, best book boyfriends. He's not the best boyfriend. I, I think he can become a very good boyfriend if he listens to her. Mm-hmm. And he does, but he can be very pushy and judgmental. But again, yeah. like we said, he's, he's, he's stopped growing at 17. So yeah. not physically, but emotionally. Yeah. So. Uh, I would not wish him on uh, my girlfriends as a boyfriend. You know? I agree. I think towards the end you were seeing him, how he could be a better person, better boyfriend. But it's too much work. for most of the book, no, that's way too much work. 
But you know what? Anne doesn't have a lot going on. Yeah. So she has time. She has time for the emotional labor. What woman does it? And what woman doesn't wish that? <laughs> I just wish I had time for more emotional labor. Yeah. I just wish that I could take on someone's entire mental health and well-being <laughs> above my own for sure. Uh-huh. And then, of course, be blamed when he messes up. Hilarious chiclet you shouldn't read in public. I didn't know if this was you shouldn't read it in public because it's so funny you'll embarrass yourself laughing or you're going to get so turned on you flood your basement. Okay. Were you did, – did the basement flood? Yeah. I mean I think them in the tub was super sexy. I mean no, all of their sex scenes I thought were really sexy. I again just was able to read this in a way that I got to all the filthy parts while I was at work. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens with these books is that I'll be reading. It's the relationship stuff, relationship stuff, sit down to have my lunch. And all of a sudden the penis comes out and they're talking about rubbing it against your sex. And I'm sitting there across from <laughs> someone being like, am I a criminal? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yes, no. Yeah, I guess, you know, I don't even remember what we were talking about. <laughs> Hilarious chiclet you shouldn't read in public. Um, You should read anything you want in public as long as it's not a penthouse. Okay. Uh, or an affiliated uh, porno mag. Uh, celebrity and rock star romance. Yeah. Best f- fake relationship turned real. Uh, it is a fake relationship turned real. Best, maybe not, but uh, a very good one. Yeah. Yeah. Have we read other fake relationships? We really have. Well, there's been fake relationships in, in some of our books, but they, they never have been the crux of it. They've never been the one prevailing thing. Through no, the whole I know book. what crux means, but I was trying to think of what. <laughs> Sorry, I really just <laughs> uh, stepped in it. <laughs> but I was thinking of what books there were that had a fake romance. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess maybe the rogue not taken. They pretended to be in a relationship for the doctor. But it's just a little element of it. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, it wasn't the crux. Do you know what uh, crux is? No. Could you God. please explain some more uh, ninth grade words to me? I, I have come so far, yet it's so easy to backslide. It is so easy to just mansplain. You, I paused for too long and you started mansplaining. Yeah, we need to fight. I need to fight this. We all need to fight this. No, the men need to fight it. Women were fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, bad boy bikers, rockers, or tattoo artists. He is one of those three. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I would read about the other two. Uh-huh. Well, tattoo artists, not so much. I would read, not be as much into it, but <laughs> motorcycles, please. Yes. I, yeah. I think we're going to read, end up with a few motorcycles. Hottest Dirty Talk. I will say this is the first book where the dirty talk got me, and I did enjoy it. Yeah, well, he, he, his manic energy, he would do a lot of talking. I, I liked it. I didn't love it. Okay, fair. But yeah, it should be on the list. Mm-hmm. Well-written male-female steamy romance with little or no BDSM. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was steamy. Uh, sexy blonde heroes, historical, contemporary, and paranormal romance. Parano- There's nothing paranormal about no, this. No, it's contemporary, though. Uh, why paranormal and contemporary together? That doesn't seem to fit. Because we're listing different t- kinds of romance. So sexy blonde heroes in a historical or contemporary or paranormal. Is that all one list? Yeah. Well, but they're all so diverse things. Why do they have to be on the same list? Because you want a blonde hero. There are not many adult blonde men. True. And they shouldn't be. They get sa- mm, strong <laughs> take. They, they get Sandy 
like sandy blonde or mm-hmm. dirty dishwater blonde like myself when they mm-hmm. get older. I was a I was a toe-headed little boy. But when you see an adult man with very very blonde hair, it's, it seems dyed. Yeah, there's something off. Uh huh. I'll stick by that. Okay. <laughs> Alexander Sarsgaard. He's sexy. He's blonde. Who else? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Unless it's dyed, it's really hard to keep your blonde. Mm-hmm. Um, romance books with limited sexual violence or no sexual violence. That is true. There's no sexual violence in this at all. And I God. wish that all <laughs> romance books were on that list. Yeah. It'd be great if this could be a blanket. Everybody. Yes. What are your tropes? Oh, there we go. Groupie. Musician hero. Bookstore heroine. She worked at a bookstore. Oh, yeah, that's cute. Uh, And this goes into your dirty talk situation. Hero talks to vagina because he talked to her vagina. That is a trope, I guess. Uh, From fan to lover. Fake relationship. And Portland. Mm. Portland is a trope because it's predominant in a lot of culture now. Portland being a place where people cool hang out. So that's my tropes. I did like that it didn't take place in New York or L.A. Like, I did like that it was, like, a, just a different place to be. Um, mine, But they should have been talking about how they want to be in New York. Yeah. I think it goes without saying everyone wants to be in New York. All, all these books should have at least one passage where the character's like, my life would be better if I lived in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though she had voodoo donuts. Mm. We got donut plant. I don't uh, want to hear about voodoo. Uh, donut uh. plant? What? No? Mm, okay. I don't know. I've never had voodoo donuts, so I don't know why I'm saying that they're better. Me too. I mean, I, <laughs> neither of us have tasted them, so this is just my New York bias. Yeah. I just like their Instagram. Okay. My tropes were fake relationships. Because that's the important thing with uh, a, a bakery is how good their Instagram is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Visually, if you could make it work, who cares what it tastes like? Very true. Yeah. That's the world we live in now. Don't give me no ugly donuts. T-shirt. Tropes. Fake relationship. Famous hero. Civilian heroine. uh, Rock star. Tub sex. Poor heroine. Rich hero. Reformed man whore. Breaking the bed. Drummer hero. I love tub sex. Mm. I'm frustrated. And I'll tell you why. Because I haven't been able to have access to my bathtub in the last couple books. And it makes me angry. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I won't get into the specifics of it, but it's very difficult to enjoy these books the maximum if I'm not soaking in a tub. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel for you. I'm sorry. We all have our crosses to bear. <laughs> what has you swooning this week? Oh, my goodness. So it's not ac- no access to a tub. That I'm not swooning about that. No. Uh, but so during this podcast, we talked a lot about music and my various music geekery and i thought it was important to bring to light something that i'm ashamed of a little bit now back in the day i used to be very discerning or very stubborn about the kind of music i liked and the things that i thought were cool and one of the good things about i think music fanship now is that you can be a fan of someone like carly ray jepsen but also be a fan of snail mail or somebody like an independent artist. And there's no judgment between the two. I really love that that's happened in music. And 
it never used to be that way. If you were indie, you couldn't sell out. And if you wanted to be a pop star, that was bad. And my swoon this week is an album by an artist named Liz Fair. Mm-hmm. And she was an indie artist. She has an awesome album. She has a lot of awesome albums, but her first album was Exile in Guyville. It's a classic. It's from the early 90s. Listen to it if you've never listened to it. But she did something in 2003 that was looked at as basically a Judas-type betrayal. And she made a pop album, and it was called Liz Fair. And the indie music snobs and the media went crazy. How dare this woman try to be a pop star and be famous and all these things. So she got the producers who did Avril Lavigne's album, The Matrix, to do a couple songs. And I liked this album when it came out. But I was ashamed to say it because everybody was so against it. I don't know if you've ever heard of Pitchfork. It's that review site. It got a double zero on Pitchfork, which is very rare. And it was at that time, 2003 or 2004, a huge stigma. So I would say listen to this album, and I'm sorry, uh, Liz Fair, you're great, and I always like this album, but I should have said it at the time. Yes. Listen, retribution, it's good. Nice. Aaron, <laughs> what are you swooning about? Oh, thanks for asking. Um, so I have been swooning about something. So poetry is something that I've always liked in an abstract way, but I never really knew how to relate to it. Cause I was like, what do you do? Do you just buy a whole book of poetry and just sit and read it? When do you read it? I don't know. I, I was very confused of the logistics of poetry. Um, but what I found was a podcast that I really love, uh, the poetry magazine podcast. And it is uh, Paul Tran reads like Jewish Judith slaying Holfornes, which is my favorite painting. And it's a poem about maybe what Judith was thinking in that moment. And I really, really loved it. And I brought together a lot of things that I enjoyed. So I would say start there, but then keep going and download everything. I know better than to leave the house without my good dress, my good knife, like Excalibur between my stone breast. Mother would have me whipped, would have me kneeling on rice until I shrilled so loud I rang the church bells. All right. So don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Obviously, we say it every week. We mean it every week. Um, If you have suggestions for us, if you want to tell us to stop doing the signs thing, keep it going, you have opinions, you can email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at learningtropes. Instagram, we're at learningthetropes. Next episode, we are reading The Black Lily by Juliet Cross. It is a retelling of Cinderella with vampires. I'm very excited. <laughs> I actually did not know that that was our next book. So I was very, I'm very excited right now. Yeah. This is genuine excitement you're hearing. Mm-hmm. You, w- you wouldn't look at the Excel sheet. I just do it for my own health. <laughs> no. Just putting the spotlight on my inadequacies. <laughs> not my inadequacies, things I can control that I just aren't, I'm not doing. Yeah. That's a good place to end it. Yeah. <laughs>
The good final thought. I, I gotta say, right before we stop, this is why I love doing this podcast with yeah. you. You give me no quarter, <laughs> and I do not deserve any quarter. You always call me on my shit. I love it, and I can't wait to be doing this podcast with you for a very long time. Oh, thank you. Clayton. It's true. I love doing it with you too. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>